Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. KFI AM640. You're listening to the John Cobell Podcast on the iHeartRadio app. We're on the radio from 1 until 4. And then after 4 o'clock, what'd you miss? Well, you could hear it after 4 on the uh, podcast. John Cobell On Demand, also on the iHeart app. Everything's on the iHeart app. You can order dinner on the iHeart app. It's, it's all there. Uh, we are going to continue now with KFI News and Corbin Carson. This is the uh, never-ending Rebecca Grossman trial. Uh, she's charged with uh, two counts of murder and uh, two counts of vehicular manslaughter, among other things. She, uh, they say she hit two little boys while they were crossing the street with mom and their other brother. And she was going very fast maybe 81 miles an hour. She may have been racing her boyfriend, Dodger pitcher Scott Erickson. And uh, she is the wife of Dr. Peter Grossman, who founded the Grossman Burn Center. And uh, they were out drinking, and she had some Valium in her system. And that's what we have learned uh, during, among other things, during the prosecution case. Now the defense is taking over, and Corbin Carson is with us to talk about that end of the yeah, you'll be happy to know, yeah, that murder trial, is it's winding down. The judge has said jury deliberations could begin by the end of this week. The defense has maintained that former Dodgers pitcher Scott Erickson's SUV hit those boys first that you men mentioned, and that the 11-year-old boy then bounced off his car and hit Grossman's SUV. If you remember, Grossman and Erickson were having drinks before the crash, and witnesses had testified that the two were racing at double the speed limit, and prosecutors have said there's no evidence to suggest a 
second car hit the boys and only pieces of Grossman's SUV were found at the scene. So in this last week, since the defense has had the attorney, we've heard from uh, Grossman's husband. Uh, they've called up multiple experts to dispute everything the prosecution has, has alleged, the high speeds, whether or not Grossman was intoxicated, that the kids were in the car crosswalk or not. And in Friday, two more witnesses were called to claim Erickson's black SUV hit the boys first. One expert even claimed he was just given the evidence in the case and concluded the black SUV must have hit the boys without even knowing that the defense's theory of the case was uh, was that the black SUV did that. And, At least and that's what, what he says. What, what is there? Because they didn't witness the accident, right? So this right. is their claim. I tell you, the expert witness industry, that is a racket. You got enough <laughs> money, you can find anybody to say anything. You can get and, and, people yep. to say that the uh, sun orbits around the earth. You pay them enough And money. they have to spin a good yarn with that, with some good math and analyses, so at so, least make some, uh, some believable so, sense. So how does this work? Because Erickson would have been going pretty fast, too, and when you hit right. somebody, they get knocked forward at that speed. I, well, I don't understand the physics of him going up in the air and then bouncing off Rebecca's car. How does that work? Well, currently the the idea is that his car went through the intersection two and a half seconds before hers did. And the defense's claim is that the boy's body would have bounced up over that SUV, just have gone right under it instead of hitting it forward, that it was low enough to the ground that it went under it, bounced him up, and then that she would... It, it went under the car? car it went under no, no, Scott... No, over, that, that the boy went over his car. Over his car... That and then, his car went under, yeah, and landed on, and went landed on Rebecca's car, right, and then that was what propelled him for the uh, two hundred and some odd feet, fifty feet, I think, that the eleven-year-old was <laughs> really. Hit. So it's you know, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting physics suggestion. Yeah. But I got to tell you, okay, did, did, let's did, talk did, about. Have they have they drawn anything on a whiteboard to show that that? Oh, uh, we've had whiteboards. There's been video of the uh, of the scene. There's been you know all kinds of props and gadgets from both sides, the prosecution and the defense, to try to illustrate what they believe, which each side believes is is what actually what happened in the case. But again, it'll be up to the jury to decide. They could get it Friday. I will tell you one of the interesting things that happened. Uh, last Friday was the defense called Rebecca Grossman's daughter, Alexis Grossman, to testify. She was 16 at the time of the accident. She's 19 now. The, the daughter told jurors she was running out for pizza that night uh, and she noticed her mom surrounded by police cars. She runs over. Of course, she's stopped by deputies. Alexis Grossman says it was at that moment that she made eye contact with Erickson as he hid behind a tree. Now, detectives have testified that they would have noticed this six foot four, 240 pound Erickson hiding in the vicinity. That must have been but, a big uh, tree. Right. Uh, Alexis Grossman told jurors she eventually was asked to leave the scene, so she went back to her house, which, remember, uh, the, the Grossman lives a short distance from this crash scene. The daughter says that's when Erickson barged into her home and threatened her not to mention that he had been at the scene or he would, quote, ruin her and her family. Alexis Grossman also said the guy smelled like alcohol and he was shouting, why didn't your mother just drive home? Essentially saying, why didn't she flee all the way uh, to the to the house? And if you remember, the uh, uh, Miss Grossman's SUV was disabled about a third of a mile, or actually about three tenths of a mile from the crash uh, because the car shut itself down. And you know, Mercedes calls and says, "Hey, have you been in an accident?" So her story: Scott Arison showed up at the Grossman house, and he's drunk and yelling about why didn't your mom stop? 
And why didn't wh- she keep going? Why didn't she no, keep no, no. going? Why, essentially saying, why didn't you just leave and we never would have been caught? That's what she's, uh, <laughs> what she's saying. <laughs> and okay. then, of course, during cross-examination, Deputy uh, DA Ryan Gould asked, reminded, uh, uh, reminded Alexis Grossman that he is the guy who, in- he reminded everyone that he's the first person, the Deputy DA Ryan Gould is the first person who initially interviewed her, Alexis Grossman, and at the time, he says she didn't say anything about Erickson. And on the stand, she said, yeah, I didn't, I didn't say anything. Grossman said she was scared of this, of Erickson. He's a big guy. But now she says she wishes she had, and maybe the trial would not have gotten this far because they would have had the second piece of this. And, and, the, and the deputy pushed a little bit further to be sure and reminded jurors that he interviewed her 10 months after the crash and asked her in court on Friday during that interview, you never once told me about Scott Erickson hiding in the bushes or a tree. And she says, no, I didn't. And then he even goes, she even goes further and says, Alexis also admitted that during that interview, she flat out told Ghoul that Erickson had not come back to the house and that their paths had, quote, never crossed that night. And well, she says where'd, she, this, where'd this conversation come from? Well, so she she's, cla- she, she's claiming this conversation now, but at the time she was questioned, 10 months right. after the accident, yep. she said nothing about them meeting or having this, uh, this uh, particular conversation. Right. She said she didn't tell her parents. She said she eventually told the, the her mother's first attorney and that attorney told her to be quiet. And that attorney ended up dying and they had to hire this whole new defense team. And that's why this case has gone on for years. So, I mean, it's 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 all about reasonable doubt. John, we've talked about this a lot of times. Uh, and, and the fact right. that Erickson is not on this taking the stand and that there is this it appears his SUV was never checked. And then so the, de- the deputy uh, assigned to Erickson said he found two Mercedes SUV reg- registered to Erickson under the same license plate. But it appears, again, no one ever examined either of those before this guy was charged with misdemeanor reckless driving. Did, did the defense ask these uh, detectives why they never uh, investigated Erickson's cars? I, I don't know that they did. I haven't uh, heard it. I haven't heard it come yeah, up in the trial. Me neither. And, and uh, you know. I've, I've thought about this. You and I have talked about uh, why hasn't he been in the car? Where is he? And, you know, it, this could be damaging to both sides, especially since he's likely to take the fifth the entire time. For the defense, it would open the door for prosecutors to try to shut down that theory that Erickson hit the car first. And then for prosecutors, it allows the defense for more time for that confusion to, for, of a focus away from Rebecca a Grossman. So either way, it represents hmm. a dangerous unknown for so the defense and so prosecutors. He's not testifying for either side. As of right now, we have not seen him on any list or that he's coming. But, of course, there's still time. <laughs> Okay, uh, and uh, so how many more days of testimony do you think before they start doing closing arguments? Just the judge said at the end uh, Friday that the the jury could get the uh, last Friday the jury could get the case as soon as okay. this Friday coming up. So maybe we'll start seeing some, some deliberations. But I mean, and this is a total uh, guess. It seems like this is going to take a while for some deliberations, just because there's so I mean a six week trial. There's so much information for jurors to go through. So much technical information as well. Yeah. Yeah. See, I wouldn't do that. If I was in the jury room, I'd just say, well, uh, the dent's on her car, and she was going 81 miles an hour. What do you think happened? I don't think it's comp. I think it's, it should have been a six-minute trial, not six weeks. Yeah, and then how do we get the other the other 11 I mean, have to agree with you? <laughs> if, if, if I came home, right, and I've got, I've got two big dents in my car, and yeah. there's two kids dead— and my internal computer saying I went 81 miles an hour. Who needs any more information than that? Seriously.
I... All right. Well, very good, Corbin. You can't answer Thanks, all sir. these questions. I can't. The, but, the uh, jury will. <laughs> the jury will, sure. Right. Well, I hope we don't have vegetables. All right, Corbin. Thanks, Thanks very sir. much. Corbin Appreciate Carson, it. KFI News. Six weeks. What a racket. What a scam defense attorneys are. Seriously, do you need to know anything more other than she had the dents? She was going 81. She was drinking. She had the Valium. Her airbag went off. Her car was disabled. She was complaining in the hospital that if the car hadn't uh, shut itself off, she would have been home by now. What else do you need to know? What a dirty, disgusting racket, defense attorneys. Just, uh, it's reprehensible. All right. When we come back... <laughs> The, uh, I believe it's the Wall Street Journal had this story, uh, and it's about in six months, the whole EV revolution stopped dead. Yes, the electric vehicle revolution is uh, in suspended animation right now. So many things have gone wrong in the industry, and so much money was bet on this, and uh, so many people had a political agenda bet on the electric vehicle revolution. And now, it's just stuck. And we'll tell you the story when we come back. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM640. No money. Uh-uh. We're out. Empty. Nothing. Okay? No contest. I don't know when it's coming back, but you're going to have to earn a living. No more, no more money for now. Uh, this is... Now, we told you this. We've been telling you this for years. And to me... It was obvious. I, I, I think to most people it was obvious that this electrical ve the electric vehicle craze was way overhyped, that the industry is not ready uh, to sell large numbers of EVs. The uh, consumer doesn't want to buy them yet because there's a lot of obvious problems. And it's so glaringly obvious from day one what the issues were. And these issues have gone on for years now, and they haven't been fixed. And I, 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 I was fascinated by a lot of human phenomena. And one is allegedly smart people, like automobile executives, right? You don't end up running Ford or GM because you're a dope. Got a lot of education. You've gone to business school. You got your MBA. Got decades of experience in the auto industry. So you understand the industry. You've been selling cars and manufacturing cars for decades. You climbed your way up the ladder. You get to the top. And then you become a hysterical ninny. Like a religious fanatic. And that's what a lot of this is. This is religious fanaticism. And it's, it's the climate fanatics which is one type of religious zealotry uh that that i infected these normally level-headed car automobile manufacturer executives um and the wall street journal wrote a fascinating story chronicling how in a in six it's a six month period of time the auto industry went from gung-ho we're going all electric that's going to be most of our sales within a few years. We've got uh, going to have dozens and dozens of EV models, and it's going to radically transform the world. Six months later, it's crickets. Cars are piling up. Very few people want to buy them. 
the rate of increased sales has gone down. Once, see, there were some easy pickings in the market. You got what they call early adopters. These are the geeks. These are the rich guys. They like to show off. They like to be on the cutting edge. They want to be the first one in the neighborhood you know, to have an electric vehicle, especially a Tesla. And those guys, and, and often th these cars were the second or third car, you know, that the guy drove on weekends just to amuse himself or to show off. But most people didn't buy one and have no intention of buying one. And it was obvious why. But you read this story in the Wall Street Journal, the car executives whipped themselves up into this hysterical frenzy. And the story starts uh, a Michigan plant. That's where, where they were going to build the F-150 Lightning electric truck. Biden had come to the factory in 2021 to test drive the truck. And in the spring of 2022, they started rolling off the assembly line. And they planned to expand the factory and quadruple the number of Lightning trucks that Ford was going to assemble. Now... That was in spring of 2022. In less than two years, Ford is cutting the plant's output by half. And they're sending workers to other facilities to make gas-powered pickups and SUVs. Says one truck inspector, the sudden change was a little bit of a shocker. Reality is set in. And there was a few months where there was a hot demand for the EVs. And then everyone realized how hard it is to get around and stay charged. And within months, everything flipped upside down. Last summer, dealers started warning they had EVs clogging their lots. Ford, General Motors, Volkswagen. They started delaying and downsizing projects. They'd been spending money like mad. In fact, you know how much they were spending? Ford lost $4.7 billion last year. This year, it's going to be five to five and a half billion. They may lose $10 billion in two years on electric vehicles at one car company. $10 billion. And the Ford chief executive, Jim Farley, who was Mr. Rah Rah guy for years says there's been a seismic change in the last six months. A seismic change. And this all started in 2020 during the pandemic. They, had, they were going to build, uh, G GM was going to build their own battery factories, make their own batteries, have EV assembly plants. Um, Tesla, Tesla was uh, going great guns. And they were telling all the Wall Street investors, oh, this is the breakout year, according to the GM president. This is the breakout year. And it turned out to be the bust year. Uh, Tesla started slashing prices in mid-January of last year. Used car dealers who had Teslas in stock saw their value plummet by thousands of dollars. Everyone realizes, well, if I buy a Tesla... I won't be able to sell it maybe for a profit or break even. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose money. So that market crashed. And for a while, Musk was, Elon Musk was insisting there was no problem. So was the head of Ford, Jim Farley. They kept making public pronouncements. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, 
But the dealers noticed first because they have the lots. It was a dealer who owned a string of uh, businesses. Mickey Anderson was his name. And he saw in Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, EVs piling up in the lots. Nobody was buying. And the customers said, well, how far can a car go on a single charge? Oh, not that far. Uh, how long do the batteries last? Oh, not that long. How long does it uh, take to charge a battery? Oh, it takes a while. How much does it take to repair one of these? Well, it takes a lot. Uh, where do you plug it in? Well, there's only a few places to plug it in. I mean, what is that? Six major questions? And the answer was bad for six major questions that customers were asking. Interest rates rose. They were in the fours. Now they're in the sevens. And... Um, Uh, the Jim Farley, who's the CEO of Ford, said the paradigm has shifted. And now they um, think it's going to be years until they start selling EVs at the rate they thought. They looked at one Ford dealer named Ed Jolife. And he said he's got... Uh, let's see, how many how many does he have here? He's got about 12 EVs on his lot. And he, nobody is opening the door to check them out. Like, they won't even look at him anymore. Thousands of U.S. dealers signed a letter urging Biden to ease the regulations that would have pushed the industry to, to force them to sell more electric cars. And now they're begging him to stop. Roll back the mandates. Public's not buying. Can't force the public public to buy a product they don't want. It was hype. The technology wasn't there. It wasn't ready. It's not going to be ready for a while. I we told you this was going to happen. Biden's backing off. Newsom's going to have to back off. This isn't working out. They lied. They knew they didn't build the charging stations. They knew the battery life wasn't great. They knew the range wasn't great. They knew all this. And somehow the head of Ford just got stupid and blew $10 billion. How does that happen? How does a smart guy with all that experience, all that education, how does he blow $10 billion on an idea that it was obvious wasn't ready? Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year 
equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You're listening to John Cobalt on demand from KFI AM640. We're on the air from 1 until 4, then after 4 o'clock, John Cobalt's show on demand, also on the iHeart app. Uh, coming up after 3 o'clock, uh, a, a, a group of mayors uh, in uh, San Diego County want, want that proposition to pass, the one that we're collecting signatures for at the Honda Center in Anaheim. Uh, a group of mayors... In San Diego County, it's called the Homelessness, Drug Addiction, and Theft Reduction Act. They need, as you may have heard, about 550,000 signatures. They've got 360,000. And we are going to be at the Honda Center on Thursday from 1 to 4 o'clock. And you could drive up and sign. From 1 to 4, Honda Center, you have to take the Ball Road exit and go to lot number 4. And uh, they're going to accept signatures from 1 until 6. We'll be there from 1 until 4. Uh, there's three main provisions. Uh, the first provision will start treating thefts as a felony the third time you get caught. Another provision, if you get caught with drugs, you get a choice. You can go to jail or you can go to treatment, which is the way it used to be up until 2014. You don't have to go to jail. You can go to treatment. We don't want to criminalize drug, drug use and drug addiction. Well, then take the treatment. And then you don't have to worry about being treated as a criminal. And the third thing is that fentanyl traffickers, if uh, they kill one of their customers, now it's going to be murder. They catch you selling fentanyl, you'll get an official warning saying, next time we catch you selling fentanyl and one of your customers dies, you're going to prison for murder. Those, those are three big things that need to happen 
You saw the smash and grab that went on in Riverside over the weekend, huh? Two uh, idiots in, uh, with hoodies and masks and hammers. So uh, the mayor of El Cajon, Bill Wells, he's uh, with a group of San Diego County mayors that want yes to finally uh, fix Prop 47. And uh, we'd like to hear from the L.A. County mayors on that as well. Uh, another thing on the ballot that we've been telling you about is this horrible, horrible referendum called Measure HLA. It's only on the ballot in L.A. County. Measure HLA would, would impose road diets. You'd start losing traffic lanes to bicycles. Now, you know how bad it is driving on L.A. city streets? On streets in L.A. County? Well, this is, this is a Measure HLA. This is a city referendum. So if you live in the city of Los Angeles, they're going to shrink the roads. Three lanes will be two lanes. Two lanes will be one lane for bicycles. For bicycles. And curbing to protect the bicycles. Not making this up. We beat this whole, all this nonsense back seven years ago. The public scared the crap out of Eric Garcetti. And he uh, turned tail on his own idea. Well, the city administrative officer for Los Angeles is a guy named Matt Zabo. And Zabo issued a 12-page written report which said this idea is going to cost over $3 billion over the next 10 years. Here's how it would work. Every time the city would do something like a repaving project on a city block, They'd have to install bike lanes and maybe curbing and other confusing infrastructure changes. This creates traffic. This backs up traffic. When we were fighting the, uh, the road diet in Playa del Rey, we saw with our own eyes that it would create miles of traffic. It's a terrible idea. It's punishment. It's meant to be punishment. They know it's going to F up traffic. These bicycle advocate fanatics want to F up traffic. They are funded by some wealthy guy in New York City who's apparently one of the members of the bicycle cult or the climate cult. There's several overlapping cults here. Well, the city administrative offer, Matt Zabo, said it's going to be $3 billion. We can't afford that. We're going to have to take away from other road construction projects. So not only will the traffic be choked off by these new bike lanes, and these new curbs, these, these curbs will be like inside, they'll be like islands built on the roadway. I, I've seen these already. They have them in Santa Monica. They're atrocious. They do nothing but create traffic and, and make it confusing and unsafe. It's complete. I, there's no reason to shrink the roads for bicyclists. Except they have this really sicko, insane idea to get us all out of our cars. Except there's nowhere for us to go. We can't bike. Who's going to bike today? Who's biking today? And even in the best of weather, few people bike.
Nobody normal bikes. You know that. You know when you see guys biking in the middle of the day, they're weirdos. They're weirdos or they're homeless people. LA Daily News did a story on this, and they said there's 336 people killed in traffic uh, last year. Two-thirds pedestrians and cyclists. Let's look at the pedestrians. How many of those people were homeless or drug addicts or mental patients running around the street? And what time of day did the uh, did those uh, traffic deaths happen? I bet you they happened in at dusk or in the evenings. I saw a map. I've said this before. The increase in homeless people has led to the increase in pedestrian traffic deaths because they're drunk, stoned, high, whacked out on meth or cocaine, stumbling around with fentanyl or heroin, or they're just flat out crazy. And they don't even know they're in the road. They don't even know cars are winging by them. It's drag addicts and mental patients running around the street. That's caused the increase in pedestrian deaths. Most of them happen at night. Most of them happen in certain neighborhoods. My neighborhood, nobody gets run down. Because we don't have homeless people on the main roads in our neighborhood. They're not getting run down during rush hour. Traffic moves too slowly in rush hour. This is the sleight of hand they pull. Traffic moves too slowly in rush hour. They're going to make it move even slower. People get run down in the evening or during dusk. It's hard to see. You're not expecting mental patients to be stumbling around in the street. That's when they get hit, probably by drunk drivers. You have to vote no on HLA, on HLA, and it's going to cost over $3 billion. And it must be true because it got the supporters really angry. Michael Schneider, he's running the campaign, yes, on HLA. This guy's nuts. And he started yelling and screaming about this, this report. Yeah, you always get a big pushback when you tell the truth. All right, more coming up. You're listening to John Cobalt on demand from KFI AM 640. Coming up after 3 o'clock, we're going to talk to the El Cajon Mayor Bill Wells because he's uh, with a group of uh, San Diego County mayors who want to uh, get on the ballot that, uh, that referendum to uh, repeal large parts of uh, Prop 47. And this would uh, treat thefts like uh, felonies again. And this would treat drug possession as a crime again. And force into treatment or jail. You get to choose. And uh, drug trafficking that kills people. Yeah, that, that would be murder charges. So we'll get to that with Bill Wells from uh, El Cajon. Uh, all right, this, this is funny. I, didn't, I used to watch the NBA All-Star Game every year. Uh, was a, I really enjoyed it. Always wanted to go to one. But it's, it's gotten to be so stupid uh, because uh, nobody plays any defense. They just all try to shoot 40-foot bombs. They scored 211 points last night, yeah. the East team did. It was wild. Was it fun to watch? I didn't watch a single second of it. I, I'm not, and I, I love basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport, and I was completely turned off by All-Star Weekend this year. Yeah, I can't. I can't watch anymore. I I can't watch if it's nothing but but three point shots. Uh, the, the whole game has been been ruined with this with this strategy. And then the All Star game, it's not a competition. That two hundred eleven points. I mean, it was going in that direction for a few years. Well, I guess it was kind of boring because eventually there's an alternate broadcast. Charles Barkley was on it, uh, and and he and the other announcers. Uh, started talking about San Francisco, 
And Barkley started uh, making fun of San Francisco. Listen to this. Hey, Reggie, we love you. Let's not have another start in Indiana. Let's <laughs> hey, let this be the last one. Come on, man. Is it the you, snow you, you spent enough was time here, Reggie. You don't need to come back home. Was it the minus, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, hey, the hey. 17 degrees? Here's Barkley coming hey, hey, out. Hey, Reggie. Yes? If you had a, if you had a chance of being cold, of being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, when you oh, oh, that's crazy. Oh, no. You're not welcome. Oh, not hey, you're not hey, welcome. Hey, say, say, we say, love San Francisco. No, we don't. <laughs> yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there. Yes, you can walk around. <laughs> yeah, with a bulletproof bag. Hey, Chuck, you live in Philadelphia, Chuck. I live in Arizona. So, hey, we love San Francisco. So it was Golden State Warriors forward uh, Draymond Green who the Warriors play in San Francisco now, and next year the All-Star Game will be in San Francisco, so that's why Barkley brought it up. And then it was Reggie Miller, who's a former Indiana Pacers legend, and the All-Star Game was in Indiana, and then WNBA player Candace Parker, well, and that's who. And the, she was the one going, we love San Francisco. Yes, yes. Yeah, you go out walk at uh, <laughs> 10 o'clock at night. Uh, go in uh, the Tenderloin District. Let's see what happens there, huh? What, what You know, it's funny. Again, you tell the truth. And everybody shouts you down. They want you to shut up. No, 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 Charles, don't tell the truth. None of those people would go walk in the streets at 10 o'clock at night in those districts. What well, is it with people? And oh, I, don't say something bad. I bet you that San Francisco will clear out the homeless next year before the oh, All-Star game comes to town. Absolutely. <laughs> that That's the only time they, they clean streets in San Francisco. When there's some kind of out-of-town uh, visitor, the president, the China, Biden... Some kind of all-star game. Of course. That's all they do. But I just love the reaction. There's like an each. Oh, no. He said something negative. And plus, it was funny, too. Yeah, with a bulletproof vest you'd walk around in. It's amazing how I, uh, people are in, in such in denial or they're so afraid of truth. If the truth has some kind of negative connotation to it. Just uh, there's also this story. And I, I'm not going to have time to get into this much today. But just to give you a headline, and, and, this, and this is why San Francisco has, has become so disgusting. Uh, people up in San Francisco, they spend billions of dollars in tax money. And the city has given these homeless nonprofits $4 billion in contracts. $4 billion for homelessness child care, housing, mental health, and addiction treatment. So there you go. The whole range of uh, pathologies that affect these crazy people and drug addicts. So they looked at 25 nonprofits, and they found, I'll give you one example, and then we'll do this story uh, more in detail later on. Daniel Nissenbaum is the CEO of something called the Low Income Investment Fund, and they provide grants and affordable loans to child care providers in San Francisco. Do you know how much this character made? $762,000. $762,000 of tax money to hand out grants and low-cost loans. Holy crap. I'm telling you, nonprofits are fake. They're a racket. And they're used to enrich the people who run them, who are, are politically connected. That's just... The, the 25 biggest nonprofits or the nonprofits who got the biggest contracts have gotten $4 billion since uh, 2017. And um, 
the the not the CEO salaries and other executives are gigantic. And that's what it's about. It's not about helping the homeless, the drug addicted, the mentally ill, the children. They don't care. All right, we come back. Why don't we got to get this initiative on the ballot uh, to uh, do a major revision of Prop 47. And uh, we'll give you details on our show that we're going to do in Anaheim on Thursday at the Honda Center. And we're going to talk to Bill Wells because he's with a group of San Diego mayors who want this, who need this on the ballot. Uh, he's in El Cajon. We'll talk to him. Coming up, Deborah Mark, live in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John Cobalt Show podcast. You can always hear the show live on KFI AM640 from 1 to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.